Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Our text today comes from the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah chapter 23. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So what would you consider to be an essential tool? If you were trying to send a young man off into the world, equipped with a toolbox ready to handle life's necessities, what would you include? Pliers? Probably. A two-foot-long pipe wrench? Probably not. A six-pack of assorted screwdrivers? Yeah, that's a good idea. A set of micro screwdrivers for miniature repairs? Eh, Probably not needed. Tape measure? Yes. Micrometer? No. There might be some debate, but I suspect that most of us would probably come to agreement on what needs to be in the toolbox. Pliers, tape measure, screwdrivers, level, utility knife, slip slip joint adjustable wrench, and, well, of course, a hammer. You've got to have a hammer. So many jobs need a hammer. A hammer is exactly what you need when you're trying to hang a picture or build a birdhouse. You've got to have it when you're putting up a new wall or fixing a fence or nailing down a loose shingle or strengthening and fortifying a wobbly mailbox. And sometimes you need a hammer simply to give something a good whack to knock it back into place. A hammer is a great tool. You can build a lot of things with a hammer. It makes sense then that a hammer has so often been used as a symbol, the symbol, for human work and accomplishment. Just think back to the flag of the former Soviet Union with the hammer and sickle there. People use their tools to make what matters to them. They get out their hammers and they construct what they love. They do things. They get busy with their hammers and they build things. Hammers have been around for a long time, of course. They were already a familiar tool in ancient times. And in ancient Israel, people used hammers to build things. Houses, furniture, plows and yokes, and idols. It's a regular complaint from the Old Testament prophets. Hammers powered the chisels that carved the wood, and then hammers shaped the metal that overlaid the image. Hammers built idols. With the best of their effort and skill, humans hammered away to craft their idols. And the practice has not come to an end in 2019. Still with the best of their labor and love, people hammer away, crafting and shaping the idols they choose and love. Remember, 
Luther's profound insight into what makes an idol. Luther wisely taught that the thing in your life that receives your primary attention, the thing that serves as the center and ground of your life, that receives all of your effort and thought, that is rightly your God. And of course, any God other than the one revealed in and through Jesus is a false God, an idol. So keeping this in mind, it's easy to see that our world is obsessed with the building of idols. People invest in so many things, careers, retirement, sports, second homes, children, weekend pleasures, education, alcohol, popularity, influence, power, all of them can be idols that people craft and shape with their hammers. People love to build idols. The hammers that craft the idols that fill the world are busy in the hands of the people around us. But we all know that we're also very good at using our own hammers to build our own idols. Even when you know the truth about God and his world, it's hard to put down the old hammers you use to build your idols. And Christians are prone to keep their favorite idols around, close at hand, always ready for a little more hammering. And the idols that fill the lives of Christians, frankly, look little different than those of their unbelieving friends and neighbors. The old, persistent sin of materialism and self-indulgence in all their different manifestations are all readily and embarrassingly present even in the lives of those who profess to follow Christ. Indeed, even in our own sometimes confused and distracted lives, these idols appear. And they're easy enough to spot in others, dreadfully hard to admit in ourselves, always difficult to root out and destroy, and always deadly. Even more deadly, though, there is a yet more sophisticated and subtle idol crafted by many Christians, And it's particularly dangerous because it looks and sounds religious. It's the idol of self-righteousness and self-promotion. It's the idol that is built when Christians start deciding for themselves what God must be like and what God should or shouldn't do based on what they believe. When Christians decide for themselves what God must be and what God must do, they are not worshiping the God who has revealed himself but the one that they have created. It's a God of their own imagination, a God of their own thoughts and feelings. It's an idol. These idol-building hammers are at work when people say things like, I don't think God would judge someone for following his natural feelings. Or, I know that God wants this for me because it feels right. Or, God doesn't actually care much about how I live so long as I'm doing my best to love people. Or, God doesn't want me to be unhappy. None of these statements is true. But all of them come from the mouths of people who are swinging hammers and building idols. When you impose your ideas, your feelings, and your logic onto what God should be and what God should do, you are crafting an idol. 
Human ha hammers are busy all around, doing the work that comes far too easily, far too naturally to people. With abandon, the idols are built, admired, and worshiped. The sound of hammers striking metal and crafting idols fills the air. The idols that are built are everywhere. And then into this clanging chaos of human hammers rings out the unmistakable sound of one more hammer at work. It's different from all the rest. It's, it's God's hammer, a sledgehammer of enormous size. God's hammer is irresistible. But of course, it doesn't build idols. It smashes them. God's hammer, the sledgehammer, is his word. With devastating force and exacting accuracy, God wields his hammer and his, the idols so carefully crafted by human hands are smashed to bits. No idol can withstand the crushing blow of God's hammer. His word destroys every idol. God unleashes his word, the hammer crashes down, and an idol is obliterated. This is a significant function of God's word, too seldom considered. Christians tend to focus on the good news, gospel side, and not the smash and crash law side of God's hammer. We need to remember that there is comfort, though, even in realizing the destructive power of God's hammer. It's reassuring and, in a sense, comforting to recognize that all those forces of evil which set themselves up in opposition to God, all those forces will be brought forcibly down. God's hammer will get the last word. The gross injustice and the gross inequalities of this perverse and evil world will be set right. And sometimes in history, God's hammer works right before the eyes of the world on a grand scale. It happened back in Germany in the 16th century when Martin Luther used his hammer on the doors of the church in Wittenberg and sparked a reformation of the whole church and indeed the Western world. God's truth triumphed. And it happened on a different scale, on a different stage at the end of the 20th century when Christians prayed and worked and finally helped orchestrate the collapse of the Soviet bloc. They watched the Berlin Wall crumble and they cheered as the hammer, the idol of human labor and pride, was literally torn off the flag. Human empires, human delusions and utopias cannot stand against the truth of God's hammer. And no less importantly, God's hammer also works on smaller scales, closer to home. We watch as God's reality confronts the idols that people carefully build and leaves those idols utterly smashed. No human-made idol can ever hold up under the force and weight of God's truth. No idol can ever do what only God can do. No idol can give you real comfort, true hope, wise direction, lasting security, or victory over death. Put the weight of those expectations on any idol and it shatters. God's word smashes it. God's hammer smashes idols of materialism and self-indulgence, of course, but it also smashes the idols of retirement and health and long life and marriage and family. Whatever idols we build that replace God, 
God's word brings to ruin. Now, Christians sometimes worry about what might happen to the person who gets clobbered by God's hammer. But we need to remember that the clear delivery of God's word is always the best thing for every person. And when well-intentioned people try to shield others from the full force of God's truth, usually others they claim to love, it invariably only serves to muddle the necessary work that God would do in the life of an idol builder. There's only one thing to do with an idol. It must be destroyed. You need to look out. God's hammer is still swinging. And it comes tearing also through our own lives. And our own idol building projects come crashing down. It's not just other people who need to have their idols blasted. It's not just other people who need to have their delusions exposed. You and I need it too. And it hurts. It's never fun when God's idol-breaking hammer smashes into your life. It is, though, a necessary pain because, remember, there is only one thing to do with an idol. It needs to be destroyed, even when, no, especially when it's being built in your own life. But understand this. God does not merely swing his hammer and leave your idols pulverized and your life in pieces. No, he smashes your idols so that he can build in you the great work of his eternal kingdom. He destroys in you what is not his own work so that his spirit can descend into your life to build you into his beautiful work of art. That is what God's hammer does. It destroys and it builds. He extends with that hammer into your life today the work that he was doing 2,000 years ago through Jesus, through the cross, through the empty tomb. God crushes idols and builds his kingdom. That's what was going on at Calvary. Of course, Jesus was no idol builder. He never used a hammer to craft a false god. Jesus never chased the stuff of this world or the false dreams of twisted human selfishness and pride. He was the only man who ever lived who did not succumb to the lure of man-made idols. And yet the stunning reality of Calvary is that by his own choice, driven by his love for his creation, his love for you, He willingly and deliberately took on himself all the sin, all the selfishness, all the materialism, all the idolatry of you and every other person in this world and made it his own. Jesus became the sin bearer. He became the sinner. Though he never hammered out a single idol, Jesus became the single greatest idolater. And God's mighty sledgehammer, the hard and heavy truth of his full wrath against sin and evil, that hammer smashed down on the great idolater, his own son, the son who was standing in your place. Jesus took the blow you deserve. Jesus endured the suffering, the hell, that you have earned with your idol building. That's what happened on Calvary. It was not 
the hammer of the Roman soldier that brought Jesus the greatest pain. It was God's hammer, the hammer of God's righteous judgment and God's condemnation. That was the real agony of the cross. Jesus took the full blow of God's wrath and then God honored his obedient son and raised him from the dead fully alive again and seated him at his own right hand in the eternal glory that is rightly his. Jesus is Lord. Every idol is laid low. God's work at Calvary and in the garden tomb continues today as God actively works now in your life. Yes, he still swings his hammer as necessary, and yes, he still smashes your silly idols and crushes your sinful, self-serving projects. But then with the power of Jesus' resurrection, he takes the pieces and he rebuilds you with his power and his grace to make you into his own obedient son, his own obedient daughter. And now as his own child, you stop being so busy building idols. And you get busy building his kingdom, starting in your own life with your own choices and your own actions. You are an idol builder no more. You're done with that hammer. Now your tool of choice is God's hammer, the hammer that builds God's kingdom. That's your essential tool. Go and get busy with that hammer. Get busy with God's hammer. Amen. Lord God, work in us with your powerful word and then build in us what is pleasing to you so that we might be used by you to build your kingdom. Amen.